Hello and welcome to Startup. I'm your host, Alex Bloomberg. And this is the second of our five-episode mini-binge. We're doing this to help welcome listeners who may be coming to us from the network comedy Alex, Inc., which is based on this podcast and airs Wednesdays on ABC. And where we left things off in episode one, I had unsuccessfully pitched the investor Chris Saka. After that, I'd come back to New York and collected myself. And then I flew back to L.A. a month or two later to meet Chris Saka's partner, a guy named Matt Mazio, and try to sell him on my idea. I was more prepared this time. I had a better pitch, but I still came back empty. And I was starting to realize that maybe I couldn't do this alone. And that is where we pick things up today with my search for a co-founder. This episode is called How to Divide an Imaginary Pie. And a quick warning, there is some light swearing in this episode and I think one F-bomb. So if that bothers you or you have kids around, you've been warned. I'm Alex Bloomberg, and you're listening to episode three of Startup. If you didn't hear the earlier episodes, you can start from the beginning and listen in order. Startup is a podcast miniseries documenting the launching of my podcast company, Meta, I know. It's the business story you never actually get to hear, set down before the facts can fade into sunny startup mythology. It's the most honest and transparent account I can make of something that happens every day in this country, but we hardly ever see firsthand, starting a business. Pitching a business and suffering from a delusional mood disorder look remarkably similar. You're claiming that there's this thing, a thing that doesn't exist yet and that only you can see. And it's such a valuable thing that people should happily hand you millions of dollars so that you can build it. Convincing others is hard. But what I was finding, keeping myself convinced, that was hard too. I'm not feeling a lot of confidence. You are not feeling a lot of confidence? Why? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Okay, so let me set the scene. It's the night before I'm about to head out of town for a couple of days. I'd planned to spend the whole day with my family, taking my kids, Calvin and Samira, to the zoo. But my creaky old laptop finally broke, so I went out and bought a new one, which meant I had to buy a whole bunch of new software, which meant I had to spend hours on the phone with various customer service people trying to determine which updates and plugins I needed to install. It's 11 o'clock. I haven't packed. And it's the first time I've had a chance to talk to my wife all day. So naturally... I'm whining. I'm like spending money left and right. I spent three fucking thousand dollars today. I know. Wait, as I'm about to quit my job, I'm just one guy with this stupid little plan. And there's like a gazillion people out there with better plans that are going to make more money than people want to invest in more than me. I don't know. It just feels like I know. I know. Sudden, it just feels like all of a sudden I'm just like, what am I doing? Why am I? <laughs> who? Who am I? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I mean, I don't. I I just feel like you have like if if they're ever gonna invest in one guy with like a dinky plan, then that guy would probably be you. <laughs> Another rousing cup. <laughs> What do you want me to do? Be like, it's all gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm not like that. I don't. I. I think. You know what I did today while you were like, de- being annoyed and downloading shit on your computer. I like, forced Calvin and Samira to go outside, and Calvin didn't want to, and he was really tired. So I ended up pushing the stroller with his scooter on it with one hand, with Samira inside, and carrying him on my back with the other hand. He weighs 36 pounds. So, like, 
yeah, you know, like th that's my support. If you know, if I'm not saying the right thing, I am like doing that. Um, yeah. It's hard being married and having two kids and doing this because there's, you just don't get, you don't get the like generousness of spirit and sympathy that you would get if we didn't have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I didn't have a full-time job. Do you want me to tell you what I think you should do? Sure. I think you can't do this by yourself. Yeah. I need a business partner. It's clear. My wife thinks so. I think so. And we're not the only ones. So, all right. So I'm going to just get this up here. It's up on the screen now. So, all right. So here we go. So this is... Um, this is the sound of me pitching my business idea, a network of podcasts focusing on narrative journalism and storytelling, if you're just tuning in, to an investor named Micah Rosenblum. And he's about to tell me two things that I was starting to hear quite a bit from people like him. Thing one, he really liked the idea. All right. So anyway, so that's so that's the business. Yeah. <laughs> um, great job pitching it. I, I'm... Uh, I think the slides look great, and um, you know we've talked for over an hour, so you've definitely engaged the my brain juices on on this business opportunity. And then thing two, but he's not ready to invest yet, in large part because I'm all alone. I would much rather bet on two people or three people than a single founder. Now, not to say if you look at our wall of you know companies here, there are single founders that we've bet on, but I think startups are a team sport. Um, you know, like the probability of success, in my opinion, goes up. And frankly, I think it'd be more satisfying to you because you'd have someone to share it with. Oh, my God. I would love that. I mean, I, like right now, I'm like, it's like that's one of the most surprising things, just sort of like the emotional turmoil of it, like of like, how do I do this? How am I going to make this work? Everything, all the decisions, I have to make all the decisions myself. And a lot of it, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, I don't know how to, you know, I mean, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I don't know how to build a spreadsheet, really. You know, and I've like struggled through one and I'm getting help with yeah. it. But that I need somebody. The, um, should I be telling you that or should I not be telling you that? I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that about um, the Excel thing, but I, I think the point is you need someone. Okay, so my investors are telling me I need a partner. My wife is telling me I need a partner. But how do I find a partner? I don't know anything about evaluating someone's business skills. So I just start asking around. And you know what it's like? It's a lot like dating when you're in your 30s and finally ready to settle down. Just as every encounter with a single woman back then would send me casting forward into an imagined domestic future together, every single interaction with an MBA starts me wondering, could he or she be the partner I've been looking for? One guy seemed pretty good, but when I emailed him about a second meeting, he didn't write back. Another one seemed ready to commit, but something about it gave me pause. I found myself wondering, maybe I'm the problem. And by the way, I'm not nearly the first person to make this analogy. This feeling is so common among people starting businesses that a business partner matchmaking site has sprung up. The name, founderdating.com. After a month or so of futility, I just started trying to get okay with it. Maybe I'm not ever going to find anyone, I thought. Maybe I'm just destined to do this alone. That wouldn't be so bad, right? I mean, it's not the way I imagined it, but lots of people have very happy, successful businesses doing it by themselves. And then I met Matt. I created a new file, which, as you can see, it's called Conservative Operating Model. Matt Lieber, former public radio producer, left and got an MBA from the Sloan School of Management at MIT. For the past several years, was a management consultant at the Boston Consulting Group. In short, the businessman of my dreams. We met through a mutual friend. We got together one weekend over beers, and I told him about my idea. He was really intrigued, said he'd been thinking someone should do this for a long time. He liked his job and all, advising huge companies about how to grow their businesses. But his heart, he said, his heart was still in radio. 
Things got serious between us quickly. During one of our first meetings, I was telling Matt about how some potential investors were asking to see a business plan, but I didn't really have any idea what that was or how to make one. A week or so later, Matt sent me one. Seven pages, broken down into sections. Executive summary, route to market, execution and monetization. In the email, he even apologized for not including a financial pro forma, but told me he'd get me one soon. Matt told me he was just going through the motions at work. All he was thinking about was his business. Couldn't get it off his mind. One morning, I woke up to find an email from him in my inbox, sent at 4.56 a.m. Subject line, interesting data point. Meanwhile, in meetings with investors, I'd begun referring to him as my partner. But he was still at his other job, due for a promotion in just a month or so. It was exciting to be sneaking around like this on nights and weekends, and I'd take all the help I could get. I was just so lonely. But at a certain point, we needed to make some decisions. So one afternoon, we finally had the conversation. So the final thing to discuss, uh, which we had put on the agenda for last time, is to follow up our conversation um, of uh, where we see this relationship going. <laughs> yeah, checking in on it. <laughs> right. Right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, you know, uh, I swear to God, it feels really emotional. I've been feeling uh, like you have come up <laughs> in a couple of conversations and I've wanted to use the word business partner. Mm. Um, so uh, is this how this, al- is it always so like relationship uh, analog- analogy in these well, conversations, do you think? It is a relation. It is yeah. a marriage of sorts. Yeah. All the way down to someone has to pop the question. I told Matt that since he and I had met, I'd been feeling a lot more positive about everything. Felt like we had a great working relationship. We were able to give each other honest feedback without taking it personally. The last month or so had made me realize something. Well, well, I definitely, I definitely want and need a partner. Um, and like, if you wanted to come along on this ride, that would be great for me. This was awkward to say out loud, but I wasn't that worried. I knew he wanted to be my partner, too. But he also had a lot to lose. If he did this, he'd need to quit his full-time job, not right away, but in a couple months. And during the months before he quit, he'd be continuing to do what he was doing now, working nights and weekends, helping whenever he could. And this is pretty common for startups. Founders have day jobs, they have lives. And that's why if every business partnership is a marriage... It's a marriage that, by definition, comes with a prenup. Look, I, I definitely want to be involved and continue to like uh, build this thing and get it off the ground. I cannot, I don't believe I can spend the next months helping you in the way that I want to <laughs> with, no, with no conversation about equity. Well, yeah, no, but that, so I, I hate living in ambiguity. Like, I, I would love to have this conversation. Yeah, this, like, I've been waiting for this conversation. Equity. What that means is simply who owns how much of the company. At the point where Matt and I were having this conversation, I owned all the equity in my company, 100%. Now, that's 100% of a company that has zero value. So if I'd walked up to someone and said, I'll sell you the American Podcasting Corporation, name your price, I probably couldn't have found any takers. But traditionally with startups, there's a conversation that happens before the company has actual value over how much of the company each of the early team members should get, how much equity they should own. And the fact that we were having this conversation was a relief. When you're in early stages, like I am, there are lots of people out there who you rely on for help, for mentoring. My cousin who went to business school, the parent of a friend's girlfriend, an acquaintance's acquaintance. Some of these folks are happy to help. 
Others want to help but are expecting to be compensated with equity. Maybe. Or maybe not. It's never really spoken of. For the last month or so with Matt, that had been hanging over my head. Every new draft of the business plan he sent me at 1.30 a.m. after working a 15-hour day at his regular consulting job, I couldn't help but think, what does he want out of this? What's he expecting? Not that I wanted him to be doing it for free. Quite the opposite. I wanted there to be something in it for him. I just wanted us to agree ahead of time on what that something was. So finally it was clear. Matt wanted in. He wanted equity. We were on the path towards clarity. So do you think, do you think, I, do you want me to come like sort of like talk to other people that I know, talk to like my lawyer, sort of come to you with like a, so, a, a you know, a piece of paper? Um, that is one way we could do it. Um, I mean, you could do that. We could independently do that and see where we end up. Um, Why don't we do that? I think that'd be interesting. Coming up, I get my MBA, Masters of Business Awkwardness. But first, a word from our sponsor. So why do you have your microphone out right now? We look like freaks. (laughs) It's a beautiful summer evening, just a couple of days after Matt and I had had that conversation where I asked him to be my partner. I'm walking with my wife, Nazneen, down a residential block in Brooklyn to a restaurant in our neighborhood to enjoy a rare evening by ourselves. And I'm also recording her for this podcast. The subject of our conversation today... Uh-huh. is um, I have a big conversation coming up with Matt. Right. Filled Nazneen in on the previous conversation with Matt, where we had agreed in principle that we'd work together. We just needed to figure out what our equity split should be. So what number do you think I should offer him? I mean... I think really like 10, 10% is where, like, you know, like somewhere like that. Like, I think like if you, like if you were kind of more, like it makes me uncomfortable to say 10% because I like you am like, you think like, Oh my God, 10%. That's so dickish, but it's not dickish, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15%. Now, Nasneen isn't the only person I've been asking about this. I brought it up with several people I know with business or startup experience. And most of them said to start with an offer to Matt around where Nasneen is saying, 5%, 10%, 15%. But for me, it's hard to take this conversation seriously. Right now, the company is worth nothing. And so the percentages don't matter. And in the scenario that the company ends up being worth millions, then it also doesn't matter. I'll be a lot richer than I am now. I don't, it doesn't, I don't really care. You should care, because you, you will care once he owns a part of your company. I don't know if I'll care. You will. You will care. Really? Yes. Yeah. I think it does matter, like, every percent. You should think of it as, like, you're giving away, like, pieces of this thing that you're building. You're just giving it to other people who may or may not deserve it. Right. And so, like, you're going to be working really, really, really hard and putting a lot of your time and money into it, and you're just giving it away. And so, like, you should, it should be hard for them to get it from you. Not easy, and you should think about it like you're giving away, like, little pieces of your fingers. <laughs> you are! <laughs> My fingers were utterly imaginary. The day for our conversation finally arrived. Matt and I sat outside in my building's common area. We talked through a bunch of other issues that we had to discuss and finally got to the equity part. Matt went first. When I look at the breakdown, I'm thinking of like high 40s to low 50s, so like a 47, 53 or something in that range. Right. Uh, 
All right. Uh, I was I was afraid you were going to say that. Um, that so 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 the way I've been thinking about this is sort of like uh, I. I've been so I've been talking to various people about like what you know what would be a fair situation, um, and uh, you know people various people have told me various things, um, but nobody like the highest the highest anybody really got was like. <laughs> 10, 12 percent uh, in terms of what, what they, they thought. I was arguing people up, basically. Um, uh, basically saying, like, no, no, he's doing a lot of work, he's going to have to leave this job, all this sort of stuff. Um, and, um, like... What I'm, what I'm hearing you saying so far is, I've talked to a bunch of people who've done this before. Mm-hmm. When I tell them the situation, they're like... It could be 98 to 2, or it could be 90 to 10, but it's nowhere in the realm of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but and I'm so not, that's a, yeah. that's a, that is definitely a standard by which to judge what is fair. Right. That is a one standard. I yeah. think there are multiple st- I kind of gave you what I thought were my standards. Yeah. But what do you think? Like, underneath that, like, what is important to you? Right. Like, is the thing, is it, is it important? Here are some examples of things that could be important. It is important that I be the CEO. It's important that I be in charge. It's important that I this be my company. It's important that I own, um, you know, eighty plus percent of the company. That could be a thing. Tell me what it was really important to you, so because I, I think yeah. it'll help me as I to understand. Right. Well, so 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 I definitely so I feel like there's like a I, I think what I don't want to. The truth is, I don't know what to say here. Because my main worry is something I'm afraid to admit out loud. I'm worried about being exposed as a rube or a sucker. I'm worried about what other people are going to think. If I go back and tell them, to use my wife's analogy, that I gave away half my fingers. Still, giving him 47%, that did feel too high. I tried to focus on why it felt wrong. I'm key to the success of the company. You know, and I, and I, and I feel like, and I, and I want to... Um, and I want to feel like that that I want to feel that that is reflected in the cap table, I guess. There's a subtext to the I am key to the success of this company, which is you are not you meaning me. And so do you believe that I am key to the success of the company? I believe that you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's why we're having this conversation. First of all, is this the way all business happens? You think it's about numbers and bottom lines, but really it's just about raw feelings? Do you respect me? Do you value me? I can't imagine doing this for the, the numbers that you're talking about. I just can't imagine doing it. Because if it's 90-10, I'm like, this right. is now it's a job. Right, right, right. And in a job, I'm not going to like, and then you're, and you're the boss. I'm just not interested in that. And, and I don't think that will, I don't think that will make the, the company succeed. 10% is just not like I, it, I can't give this what it needs of me at that level and honestly I can see Matt's point if I were him I wouldn't have done it for what I was suggesting probably leave my good job for a tiny minority stake in a company that odds suggested would fail anyway and of course he had his own friends and advisors 
who are seeing things from his perspective, saying, you're amazing, you've got this great job that earns a lot of money. If you're going to chuck all that, you have to make sure that you get a stake that's worth it to you. We ended the conversation without ever coming to terms, and we went home to debrief with our wives. I knew I was going to be recording my conversation with my wife, and so Matt and I agreed that he would record his conversation as well. One, it just felt fair. But two, this is something you never actually get to hear in a negotiation, what the other side is actually thinking at the time. We agreed we wouldn't listen to the tape until well after the negotiation. This tape I'm about to play you of Matt and his wife Ellen talking the night after a big equity conversation, I didn't hear it till a couple of weeks ago, months after the negotiation was over. I'm really disappointed. I don't think I totally processed it while we were talking, but now I actually think he wasn't thinking of it as co-founders at all, even though he used that word before. Were you, <laughs> were you really surprised at the number he chose? Were you expecting he was going to say, these past two months have been so great, you know, you've really helped me evolve my thinking about this company, and I see you as super valuable to the creation of it. So let's go 50-50. No, I knew he wasn't going to go 50-50 because... So, yes, I was extremely surprised at 10%, and sort of, res- and I was resentful of it because I thought it devalued what I had contributed and devalued my potential and my commitment that I've shown. But maybe he doesn't see it that way. Maybe he sees me as, like, a consultant who's helping him get this off the ground which was sort of originally in the first two meetings that we had, that was sort of the setup. Um, But I had thought we'd move beyond that. And um, so, yeah, I was really surprised. Of course, back at my house that night, I didn't know any of this. But still, I was feeling bad about the way it had all gone down. I had been thinking of Matt as a consultant who was helping me get the business off the ground. But at the same time, I was also thinking of him as a partner, who's going to help me build everything from scratch. Of course, you can't be both. It's too hard to start a business without a partner. Yeah, you need a partner. You also need someone who's going to, like, challenge your ideas and push you to do things in a weird way, and I don't know. Force you to think about money and... Yeah. So how high should I go? I think you should go no higher than 30%. Back to Matt and Ellen. Like you could, there's a simple mathematical equation, which is he came to 15% today. I came to 45%. If you meet in the middle, that's 30%. That would be one way to divide the pie. But I can't do that. And... I feel like his whole perspective on this is kind of like, you know, you're trying to put one over on me and therefore I'm going to try to do the same. Mm-hmm. And that's what the whole like positional bargaining of like, I'm going to go really low and you're going to go really high is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a bummer. I know. I can tell you're very upset. I'm disappointed because it seems like such a waste of potential. Like, this seemed like such a good potential partnership. Oh, well. Let's see. Maybe maybe there is a way forward. 
Matt and I had made plans to meet for lunch the following day to continue our discussion. I'd spent all the intervening hours reading everything I could on the internet about how to split equity among co-founders. There are elaborate spreadsheets you can fill out that help you calculate equity splits down to the decimal. Whose idea was it? Give yourself one point. Who's got the most experience? That's another point. But then there's this whole other school of thought that says it's not worth fighting over at all. You should just split everything 50-50. And the 50-50 idea was endorsed by this very successful venture capitalist guy in New York, this guy named Fred Wilson. In other words, there was literally no right answer. And I actually found that really liberating. Everyone out there, everyone who starts a business, they have to come up with their own answer. And so Matt and I were free to come up with ours. What mattered most, said the internet, was arriving at something that felt fair to everyone. I didn't record our lunch. It was a loud restaurant and everything seemed so tenuous. I told Matt I'd spent a lot of time thinking. I thought the split should be 60-40. He agreed. And we wrote up a little contract, right there at the table. A founder's agreement. Just like in the stereotype on the back of a piece of scrap paper. One, two, three, one, two, three. Are you plugged in? And then we talked about it afterwards. You were really bummed out after that conversation. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Uh, thank you for your apology, but that's okay. <laughs> you, thought that it was, you thought that it was over, basically. Or you were for, worried that it was over. Yeah. When you, when we, okay, so we left that, we left that restaurant. I was really happy. Oh, good. I was so happy, yeah. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy, too. I was so relieved and so happy and uh, so shocked by how all the things I thought I was going to feel, I did not feel at all. You felt you were going to, you thought you were going to feel regret at having given away too much. Sort of, or something. Yeah. And I didn't feel that at all. I felt the, I felt the opposite. I felt relief. I wasn't alone anymore. I had a partner. We had successfully divided up a company worth nothing, and now we had to make it worth something, together. All right, it's the Alex Bloomberg of 2018, here with you again. I'd forgotten how intense that whole thing was. Okay, we're here at the After Show, and today on the After Show, I'm going to be talking to a, a, a listener of the Startup Podcast who heard that episode that you just heard and had a very particular question about his own life that it prompted. So you're going to hear part of that conversation with him. His name is Damon. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Great, uh, great. Um, Except for the kids crying in the background, but that's not not that big of a deal. And why are the kids crying in the, crying in the background? Oh, uh, because I run a daycare, a family daycare. Oh. And we're talking- Damon lives in Massachusetts, where he runs a home daycare called Little Explorers. It's nap time. He snuck into another room to talk to me while his wife watches over the kids. He opened the business two years ago and currently looks after six children, including three of his own. And he asked me a question I get a lot from other entrepreneurs. I was wondering kind of how you felt about the process used to split your company, mm-hmm. um, you know, way back when. Yeah. Uh, I feel I feel great about it. Like, I feel like that was one of the single best decisions we made early on. My initial approach and stance was like completely wrong. Something much closer to like a 50-50 split is the way to go pretty much always. Um, yeah, and, yeah, because yeah. it seemed like it seemed like you ended up somewhere that was awesome, mm-hmm. but I kind of felt like when you started, it seemed like it was 
was like almost an afterthought. You guys like ended the meeting, right? And then you were like, oh yeah, why don't we just come back with a piece of paper? And so I was like, oh man, this is not going to go well. Yeah. Because it seemed like you were just like, oh, why don't we just down decide? Uh, and then, um, and then it seemed like it was going to not work out. Yeah, no. And I was like, oh no. But uh, <laughs> so I was wondering if looking back, if you were like, oh man, that came so close to like failing that I wish I'd have done it a different way. Or if you kind of like, you know, it worked out. So. Oh, no should it, would I have? No, I mean, I think at this point, if I were advising people to start who are starting companies, like I would say, if you are if you are actually going to start a company with somebody, you know, that person has to have a big, big chunk of the equity as well, because like mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense otherwise. Like your partner and you are going to be doing all the work of building the company, and mm-hmm. all that matters is the execution and the work, and also. It's so hard and you really need somebody that you're like, that you can trust and depend on. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the fact that you both have like a pretty big chunk of equity in this project means that you're both bought in in the same way. You're not going to flake out on each other. If I, if Matt and I hadn't been able to be like, we're both completely bought in, I don't, I, I think it wouldn't have worked. Why, why are you interested in this? What is, is this, is this personally of interest to you? Well, yeah. I mean, I opened us a, a daycare here mm-hmm. at my house. So yeah. it's just me right now. And, you know, my wife's like a big partner, but I'm the one who runs it and watches the kids and everything. And mm-hmm. I just have this idea of eventually expanding and opening a small center. And then it's, from what I've heard, it sounds like it'd be great to have a partner and like what advice you'd have, like how to actually start that conversation. You know, do you think it doesn't really matter how you start the conversation or just that it happens. Yeah. I think you definitely need to have the, have the conversation. I went like online and there was like a bunch of resources about like, sort of like, how do you think about dividing equity? And I think whatever approach you do, as long as you're both like committed to that approach, um, Mm -hmm. I think that's what you should do. Um, but okay, it's definitely so kind of worth agreeing on it ahead of time. Agree on the approach ahead of time and then definitely have the conversation and don't be afraid to fight about it because anything yeah. that you feel weird about in the beginning, you'll feel weirder about like as, as, as time goes right. by. So, uh, yeah. so keep working at it until like you both feel like you yeah. both definitely agree. Not just until one of you is tired of talking yeah. about it. I mean, you know, that's, that's also partly what it is, but like, and then finally I would say the key thing is sort of like, um, you can also have out. You can also have like build in because there's because it worked out really well with Matt. Like Matt, Matt and I were like it's a shotgun Matt, wedding. Like we didn't know each other, and then we were in <laughs> business together pretty quickly, right? Like so we knew each other right. for like what a month, a month and a half before we had. Oh, I didn't been, realize it was that fast. Wow. Yeah, no, it was fast. Um, and so I think we had stuff built in there, like sort of like if if I turned out to be like awful or a drug addict or whatever, like he had an out and if he turned out to be an awful drug addict, I had an out or something like that. And we, we, we vested over time. So, mm-hmm. and this is like a small thing, but really important is that like, y- you should have a vesting schedule. So like if it's 50, 50, you don't get that 50 up front. Like both of you have to be in it for four years until you get all 50 and each year you oh, get yeah. a little bit more of it until, until by the year four, then you get all of it. So, that keeps you honest also. Right. That was one that I don't think I really saw online, but that's a, that is key. Um, is that there should mm-hmm. be like, cause otherwise th- if you just sign a document we're like, okay, we're 50, 50 partners. And then dude can flake out, you know, in, in a month. And then so, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like the, the, the details do matter. The details definitely matter. I'm not exaggerating when I say that Gimlet wouldn't be anything close to what it is today. It might not even be around at all. Whoops, another spoiler. If it wasn't from Matt. So thanks, Matt. So that's it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. In the next episode, Matt and I make one of our first decisions together as founders of this new company, a decision that seems like it should be so simple and yet becomes the basis for an entire episode. That is coming up. Check it out. The after show for this episode was produced by Luke Malone. It was edited by Devin Taylor, Annie Rostrasser, Lisa Chow, Molly Messick, and me. Andrew Dunn mixed the episode. Music from the original episode by Alton Ellis and Mark Phillips, who also mixed the episode. To subscribe to Startup, go to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you like to use. Gimlet Media has lots of other podcasts as well. You should check them out if you like this one and you're new to this whole world. You are in for a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful surprise. GimletMedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup. Thank you for listening.